Welcome to Tentpole Trauma, the podcast where we look at movies that came with hype and high hopes, but left with crushing disappointment, either critically, at the box office, or both. Freed from the weight of expectations, we seek to examine these underperformers under a new light, parsing through the good, the bad, and everything in between with the hopes of gaining a better understanding as to why they failed to find their audience. Warning, there will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie that we're discussing today, I suggest you stop the podcast and go watch it. Then when you come back and listen, you'll get more out of the discussion. On this episode, we discuss Scream 4. Sebastian and I'm here with Jennifer. Hello. And Rodney. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me back, as always. It's Yay. always our pleasure, Rodney. Now, as usual, I'd like you to promote your podcast, Pod Forsaken, and give us a horror recommendation. So, what is it this time? I love it. Yeah, we we run a Pod Forsaken horror podcast where we talk about horror movies that are lesser known. Maybe you haven't seen them. And every time I come on the show, you ask me this question, and I always forget what I've recommended. Have I recommended Pin from the 80s? No, but I have seen it. It's weird. It's weird, yeah. We haven't released this episode yet, but we recently recorded it. And I've seen Pin come up on multiple lists of like horror movies you haven't seen. And it was actually hard to track down. I had to like uh, go to the like the rare video store here in LA to get a copy. Was it Cinephile? It was Cinephile because oh. we had it there. Yep. I God, that's the best store in town. I love Cinephile, but I'm sure there are other ways to acquire it on the internet. But Pin is like the story of uh, basically this dad played by Terry O'Quinn, who you know as the guy from Lost and the stepfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's John Locke on Lost, correct? And he's like a doctor who has like a, like a life-size medical dummy, right? Like an anatomically correct dummy that he uses ventriloquism to make the dummy seem like it's talking to teach his kids about sexuality and like the birds and the bees. And then he passes away and the son becomes like obsessed with the doll. And as he grows up, he like, it's unclear to you, the viewer, whether he's talking for the doll and the guy's insane or is the doll actually alive? And... It's a weird one. It's trippy. I don't know how to best describe it other than it's kind of, if you like movies like it's kind of like magic that yeah. Anthony Hopkins movie. If you like that kind of thing, 
or any in in the category of like is that doll alive also the boy is a good one in this category if you've seen that yeah then i recommend pin it's worth tracking down i have also seen it as i said and it is definitely weird and i would also second that recommendation all three of the hosts on our show we all liked it which is unusual i'm not saying it's like the best thing ever but like you know if just if you're looking for something that's going to make you feel a little weird and icky that you can then be at a party be like i saw an obscure movie that's hard to track down it's called pin <laughs> and you push your glasses up <laughs> it's basically the exact opposite of scream four and that's what we call a segue nice segue yeah, nice <laughs> all right yeah we're not here to talk about pin we're here to talk about scream four Arguably the only film in the Scream franchise that could be labeled a failure because most of the Scream movies have come out and made a lot of money as compared to their budget. And this one was not able to clear its budget, which was $40 million when it was released. It did manage to eke over it in foreign box office, but... This was a pretty big step down for the Scream franchise. They were attempting to kind of restart the Scream franchise, and this was their first attempt at doing that, and they weren't able to restart it at this point. They were able to restart it in 2021 with Scream 5, but we'll leave our thoughts on the new Scream series to the end of the podcast. Now, before we get talking about this film... Rodney, what is your opinion of the Scream franchise? I've never seen a single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think Scream 1 is one of my all-time favorite horror films. And I know, like, a lot of people love Scream. This is not shocking. When that came out back in, what, 1996, I think? I went and saw that, I don't know, like five or six times in theaters. I thought it was so good. I I may have said before on this show, but everyone said it on my show, that... The slasher genre is my favorite of all horror genres. Like, give me like a like a person with a, a weapon and they kill people with a mask. I love it. And Scream is so good. Like, it's like it's a perfect movie. And then I feel differently about each film. I like part two a lot. I think they do a really good job. I really can't stand part three. I really can't. Uh, we could talk about that if you want. Uh, and then Scream four. I forgot everything about it. I saw Scream four when it came out. Obviously. And then I forgot about the movie. And then when Scream 5 came out, my wife and I were watching it. And she was like, are any of these three, because she hadn't seen part four in a long time. She was like, are, I forget, are like Dewey and Sydney and Gail in part four? And I was like, I don't remember. Like, maybe they have cameos. And then when I rewatched part four for this show, it blew my mind because they're the main fucking characters. Yep. I literally forgot every detail except who the killers were that I remembered. So it was like watching it brand new. I've never, I'm going to give it the award for movie that has most been erased from my mind. It was weird. (laughs) Um, I'm going to jump in and just give my thoughts really quickly because I know what a big fan my wife is of the Scream franchise. So I'll leave the final words on the franchise for her. I was not always the biggest Scream fan. I did see the original Scream in the theater when it was released because it was like the hot horror movie of the year. And I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I generally like Wes Craven movies. I appreciated the uh, meta elements of it and all that. And then um, Scream 2 followed very quickly. And I didn't bother to see that at the time, nor did I bother to see Scream 3 in the theater. And, you know, that whole wave that happened after Scream happened with, I know who, 
I know what you did last summer. I know who you did last summer. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of I know who killed me, but the I know what you did last summer movies and like (laughs) Valentine and... Yeah, I like all those movies. Rodney, so do I. (laughs) Yeah, we should do a marathon. Like, I'm not saying they're all good, but I like them all. I'm so right there with you, Rodney. You want to do Urban Legend 1 and 2 back to back? Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, I am not as big of a fan of that wave of horror movies. Certainly not at the time. I've sort of grown more of an appreciation for them in some small degree due to my wife who loves those movies. (laughs) You're always a little bit kinder on things once the trend has passed. You know what I mean? You're able to like look at them and go, yeah, this wasn't so bad. I sort of hated this trend at the time, but now it's okay. I have since gone back and watched Scream 2 and 3 a bunch of times. And I definitely like Scream 2. I don't like it as much as the original, but I think it's solid. And I don't like Scream 3 like you, Rodney. I think that is the least of the series up to this point. Agreed. It's definitely the worst. So, Jen, how do you feel about the Scream franchise up until Scream 4? I am a super fan of the Scream franchise. Okay, that's good. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) No! (laughs) Um, I've seen all of them in the theater. Yeah, I can actually say that's the only horror franchise where I've seen every single one in the theater on its first run. I love the first one. Uh, I also love the second one. I will agree with you, too, that three is not great, uh, but I'll take a shitty Scream movie over no Scream movie. That's how I look at it. Um, So I I still will watch it when we're doing a Scream marathon, of course. Four... I, when I saw it in the theater, I wasn't I, I, I kind of had the same feeling where I was like, well, that was a screen movie. And I'm happy that, you know, we got another one. And I'm happy we got Wes and Kevin Williamson back at it again. It's not my favorite of the franchise. I also think that it was kind of just telling how it was going to be going forward as far as like we were right on the cusp of this is when you know smartphones and everything were starting to happen and people recording everything and you know needing just to be famous type thing well shall we just get into talking about scream 4 sure Though I've already forgotten what happened, so... (laughs) All right, so Scream 4 sees uh, Wes Craven, the original director, famous horror director of Last House on the Left and Nightmare on Elm Street, and a bunch of great horror movies. This was sort of his return to form the Scream franchise, and Kevin Williamson was the screenwriter. The original Scream really propelled him into sort of writer superstardom, You know, he became the guy who would make meta horror movies with all the references and stuff like that and sort of change the game for the horror film in general. But now we're in 2011, so we're talking like over 10 years since the first movie. This is their sort of attempt to reboot it in, I would call, the remake era, right? Like around this time from the mid-2000s to the early 2010s, we saw a ton of horror remakes. You know, we got Friday the 13th, we got Halloween, we got, you know, pretty much any horror movie that was big in the 80s got a modern remake. And to say that they were sort of loathed by fans in general, I think would be kind of um, kind. I mean, they would make a lot of money, but pretty much anyone who is a horror fan would complain about them. So this was the Scream franchise's attempt at sort of 
you know, keying into that horror trend and making some sort of commentary on it, right? And um, I did see this in the theater, and I kind of felt similar to Rodney in that I didn't really remember much about it at the time. I thought it was okay. I don't remember leaving the theater and thinking it was bad, but I sort of forgot about it. But having come back to it now, I've actually kind of gained more of an appreciation of this movie. I think it's better than its reputation allows for it, because I think most people think of, oh, that was that Scream movie they tried in 2011 and it didn't work and it wasn't that good and they just sort of brush it off. I should also say this is Wes Craven's last film. He died in 2015. This is the last film he went out on. And I think, you know, in terms of his directorial career, I don't think it's a terrible film to go out on. I don't even really get, and this is just, you know, rewatching it again today. So it's fresh in my mind. I'm like, why? I, I, I I don't know why people had a problem with it it's a scream movie it's still doing what it's doing i feel like you and i are aligned on this one sebastian like i remember when i saw it back in when it came out thinking that was a scream movie and i didn't walk out like angry or anything but i didn't like walk out like jazzed either i don't remember really telling everyone guys scream is back i remember thinking that's better than scream 3 thank you right yeah but then rewatching it uh last night so we could talk about it here i was like, you know, I I like this, but there's something wrong with it. And I, I, I came here to try to figure out what it is. There's something off. And maybe it's just that, like, at a certain point, the joke runs out, right? I mean, look, I like the new ones better, like five and six. I feel like they are, each one has something I could complain about. I feel like Scream 4, I mean, there's a lot of people getting killed, but there's not a lot of great kill sequences. And I feel like the characters are a little weak, like the new characters. Like, I don't really like any of them. But it's a totally fine movie. Like, if you said we're going to watch Scream 4 again, I'd be like, I could have fun with that. Like, watching Ghostface call people up and say creepy things and stab them, it's always fun. I think it's got a good twist. I think it's got some good sequences. But I, you know you know what it is? I can tell you, I think Scream 4 has the most amount of people doing dumb things. And... At a certain point, it starts to become, like, eye-rollingly stupid. I don't know if I agree with that, at least in regards to people doing stupid things in all of Scream movies. I feel like that's just kind of, like, par for the course, especially Scream 3. They're incredibly smart and very intelligent people. (laughs) I feel like... It's not so much the kills that are lacking, but it's the sequences that they build around the kills. They're just not very memorable. Yeah. They're usually people running around in a house and then Ghostface pops out somewhere. Whereas, you know, some of the other movies will build these like interesting sequences around the kill. Like I think back to Scream 2, which has that whole like sequence where she's in the play and they're all Mm -hmm. wearing those drama masks. Like... That's the kind of stuff I respond to where I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like we've got like a setting here and and we're playing with the setting. I even like, I think it's in Scream 3 where it's like a recording studio and it's like Gail's being chased through the recording studio and you see Ghostface through like the soundproof glass and stuff. Moments like that are what I kind of respond to in the Scream franchise. And those are the moments where I actually like Wes Craven's directing because I feel like he's actually kind of a skilled action director. Like, I feel like his action sequences cut together really well. In this movie, I just kind of feel like because they're going back to essentially make a remake in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. 
we're back in Woodsboro, the setting of the original movie, and it's a lot of, you know, sequences in houses, or we get one sequence in like a barn where they're having a stabathon. They're fine. They're all totally serviceable, but they're not particularly memorable. Well, even in Scream, uh, the first one, you got some um, kills or chases in the high school as right. well. So you had like another location there. And then it was then mainly like the house parties our house party that it goes down and then in the other houses as well. So, I mean, they're definitely following, I agree what you're saying. They're following that formula for four because it's literally just the houses that are next door to each other. Yeah. So we are like getting a lot of that, just that area. And then, yeah, they have the um, barn stabathon, which was reminding me of the party they go to. Isn't it in Halloween two or is it Halloween one? Rob zombies two. Yeah, Rob Zombie's Halloween too, where they're dressed as Rocky Horror. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that totally was reminding me of that. Another fun episode that we did together, gang. Yeah, remember? So long ago, back in 2003. (laughs) (laughs) Something else that I was thinking about that you were saying, Sebastian, was we were talking about this this was the time of remakes and Scream being so meta and doing that. um, There is actually a scene with one of the characters played by Hayden Panettiere, um, Kirby's character. Best character in the movie, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. And she goes like... On a whole rant of because, you know, she gets a question from Ghostface, like, you know, starts to say this was a remake. And she's like, Piranha, Lost House on the Left, uh, Prom Night, you know, My Bloody Valentine. And she says, Friday the 13th, Halloween. And she's just like, so like lightning fast going through all these remakes that took place during this time. Yeah, that scene is a cheat, but I appreciate that they did it. Like, I'm like, okay, she's cheating because she's naming every single remake that happened. Yeah. But it is kind of hitting the nail on the head effectively, I think of like, oh my God, they did just remake fucking everything. Yes. Yeah. I was like, do you really think that counts as answering the question. Like, <laughs> you wouldn't count it, Rodney. You wouldn't no. count it at all. She'd get she'd get murdered. If I were Ghostface, yeah. <laughs> the questions would be way harder. I honestly think Ghost. I feel like Ghostface doesn't actually watch scary movies. Like as someone who runs a, an obscure horror movie podcast, my the the well is so deep now. When when they're like, "What is uh, Jason Voorhees's main weapon?" I'm like, "You've got to be kidding me." How about like? What fucking horror film from Thailand was nominated for an almost nominated for an Academy Award, right? Like, what Asian horror film is on Shutter streaming every time you turn it on? Answer: Train to Busan. Yeah, this 1980s horror film stars Terry O'Quinn from Lost, right? <laughs> and and it's like a weird mannequin doll. Like asking, calling people up, and being like, "Do you like scary movies?" And he's, "I do, I do like them." Well, I have a question about. Freddy Krueger. And I'm like, oh my God. I feel like you don't actually watch horror movies. <laughs> well, one thing that I'm not a huge fan of in this movie is the opening sequence. Now, the Scream movies are known for their memorable opening sequences. The original had Drew Barrymore in her home being menaced. I know you love this word, Rodney. Being menaced by Ghostface <laughs> via the phone. There's a menacing presence outside my home. He kills her boyfriend outside and blah, blah, blah. You know, you've seen the movie. And, you know, most of the movies have had pretty memorable opening sequences. Even Scream 3, which I give a hard time, has that whole thing with, um, what's his name? Uh, Cotton Weary. Cotton Weary, which is actually pretty decent on the L.A. freeway. But 
I don't like this one and I've never liked it. I, even the first time I saw this movie, I was like, oh, that was terrible. And I was worried the whole movie was going to be bad, but it's actually much better than this opening sequence. Well, we basically get these three versions of the phone call sequence where there's two girls answering the phone. And in the mythology of the screen movies, there is a movie series called stab, which is based on the Courtney Cox's character's book about the murders. And so they, there's this whole franchise within a franchise thing going on. And then they just take it way too over the top with this, where it's like, Oh, the first one's a fake out where it's, you know, really from the movie stab seven. And then the second one, we've got friggin', uh, Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin just as these two girls sitting on the couch and then Kristen Bell like stabs Anna Paquin and is like, you talk too much. And then there's a third one that's really taking place in Woodsboro with like Britt Robertson and some other girl I don't know. It's like you can't even keep track of which one is which. It's it's not good at all. I don't like it. Well, okay. I am harsh. I don't, I mean, I don't feel as strongly as you do, Sebastian, but I can tell you this, like, I forget that this is the opening every time that I watch it. Like, I forget, like, and then we start watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what it's doing. Like, it's not memorable to me at all. That's bad, then. It should be memorable. Yeah, well, but then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what we're doing. This is okay. And I'm always happy to see Kristen Bell, so. It also doesn't fit with the theme of it being a remake. It's almost like, oh, how meta we're being. Like, we're going to do a movie within a movie within a movie within a movie. And it's like, that's not really what we're here to do. We're here to talk about remakes and the internet for some reason. Well, because the internet had just come out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I like the idea of it. I mean, I like the movie within a movie within a movie. And I think it's important. I mean, there's other ways to get this across, but it's important for the plot later to get across that there have been like eight stab movies, right? But I agree, it doesn't quite work, and I don't know why. I think they should have just done, I mean, whatever. They should have just done one. The part with Kristen Bell and, and Anna Paquin is weird because there's no ghost face in it, right? And she just stabs her. But they do make a reference later in the movie about how that movie went off the rails, I think. Mm-hmm. and like. But also, at the end of the day, I feel like none of those three sequences are really awesome, right? I forget what the first one is. It's just like, girl gets stabbed by ghost face, right? Then Kristen Stewart stabs Anna Paquin, and it's like, okay, I wasn't expecting that, but, it's, you know, whatever. But then the main, the real one, by that point, I literally can't remember what happens. Isn't it just sort of like the first one? Like, phone rings, girl gets stabbed in her hallway? Well, one of the girls gets stabbed off screen, and then the second one, who Ghostface accuses of being a dumb blonde with big tits, gets sort of chased around the house and then into the basement. Oh, right, the garage door, the garage door. She gets the she gets the kill like um, Rose McGowan right. does in the first one. But kind of to my point, though, the sort of effect of having all these three at once makes it so that it's hard to remember what happens. Like I said, I like the idea. I don't love the execution. I also think that, like, you know, at least Rose McGowan, her death is cool. She gets, like, trapped in the garage door and, like, it's, like, raised up and she's, like, broken in half, right? Yeah. I mean, correct me, Jen. You're the big fan. Are there any deaths in the entire series that are different? Like, I feel like everybody gets stabbed with the knife, right? Mm -hmm. With the exception, I think, a house blows up in part three. 
I think that's the one thing that's missing from the Scream movies is that, like, the deaths aren't original. It's just always a dude with a knife. It's always a dude with a knife. I mean, that the only one that, like you just said, that stands out is Rose McGowan because of the garage door and being in the garage and that whole scene. But, like, there's no... I mean, it's not the creativity of like Freddy's kills or something like that, you know, where it's uh, doing something that's like memorable, like incorporating other things in the area that are uh, other than the garage door in that one. Everything else that I can recall is always just with the knife. There's a couple of things in part six that has some interesting environmental elements. I guess in four, like he stabs a girl a bunch and then throws her off a roof. Maybe that counts, right? <laughs> There's, yeah, there is the Alison Brie death. Alison Brie plays Sidney Prescott's publicist. Um, I think Alison Brie is great in this movie. I think her mm-hmm. scenes just kind of crackle. I love her anyway, but I love how bitchy she is. I love the scene where she. Um, goes up to Gail Weathers and is like geeking out on her, but at the same time insulting her. And like, I think they have a really good exchange. I think all the acting in this movie is pretty good, especially from um, the older cast. I think Mm -hmm. everybody's doing a really good job, but I do think that's kind of one of the more standout sequences in this movie when, you know, Alison Brie is in the garage and then she gets thrown off the roof onto the media truck and everything. Yeah, that is good during the, it's like during the, press conference as well so yes. like Dewey's out there saying like you know we're got this all under control type thing and then she comes sailing off the roof so that's pretty great and I also love Allison Brie I think she's got really good comedic timing you know this is a complicated topic but like when part one came out it was actually scary right like that scene with Drew Barrymore is really scary and it's really good but like with each sequel you kind of know what you're going to get, right? Like, you know, they're going to, there's guys, he's going to call, he's going to taunt you, he's going to menace you, and then he's going <laughs> to stab you. And so I feel like they had two choices. And one choice would have been like, how can we come up with an, a new scary opening? And the other one was like, how can we come up with like a meta funny opening? And they went with funny. And I feel like it's not really scary because by the time you get to the actual death of the girl crawling out of the garage, you're like, or at least for me, it's like, should I actually be worried or am I watching Stab 9, right? right? Like, am I watching the, is it going to cut away again? And so by the time it actually gets to the title and says Scream 4 and you're like, oh, this is the real movie, you retroactively have to realize that death was real and that's why the opening scene doesn't work. Yes, I agree with you, Rodney. But I agree with you also on the fact that the kills aren't necessarily very memorable. It's a lot of people getting stabbed, usually in the shoulder, if they're characters they want to live and then in the stomach, if they're characters, they want to die, except for one <laughs> notable character who has been recently resurrected. We'll get into when we talk about yeah. it. I do like the neighbor scene where she gets killed in her bedroom. That is a highlight of the movie. I feel like they went yeah. they went the extra distance. You see her like intestines hanging out. Big time. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, guts. I forgot. Like, it's all there. This all yeah. spilled out. Yeah. I also do like that happening where, you know, they're, since they are next door neighbors and they're watching from... Um, Emma Roberts bedroom you know and and seeing that all happen and there's nothing they can really do it's very rear window which they drop a rear Mm -hmm. window reference when they're at the um, movie nerd club or whatever you see rear window written on the driveway Uh, yes well and it's also um, in um, Kirby's room she has like a really cool rear window poster 
That's and she, she has like a bunch of horror posters in her room. Isn't it weird that Emma Roberts is playing a character named Jill Roberts? It is weird. Could we not change that? I don't. What? What up? I had the I had the exact same reaction this time, Rodney, because I was like I didn't notice or remember what you know the character's last name was, but when they said Jill Roberts, and I was like, isn't her real last name Roberts? I was like totally confused for a minute. I was like, it's Emma Roberts, right? Well, they may have been stuck with that last name because her mother is Sydney's mother's sister, right? So Sydney is the aunt in this situation. So I don't know if the name Roberts was ever dropped in one of the previous movies. Obviously, her name is Prescott. So her dad's name was Prescott. But her mother's maiden name may have been, you know, said as Roberts at some point. Yeah, that's true. If we want to keep up with the continuity, because they call her Maureen Prescott throughout the franchise. But it may have been mentioned at some point that her her maiden name was Roberts. Or maybe not. Maybe they were just like, hey, we like the last name Roberts, Emma. We'll just keep it. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe Emma Roberts wouldn't respond to any other last name. So they were like, you know what? Just let's just make their name Roberts. I assume it was something else. And then she insisted on it being changed to Roberts. And she was like, how will I ever keep track of my character? It's for my acting. I need them to be the same. Because her mom, I mean, it's unclear if she has a dad. That's never covered in the movie. Yeah. But if her mom got married, her name would have changed from Roberts. It would have been something different, you know, but. Maybe she never got married. It's not, there's not a lot of parents in these films. You know what I mean? Like parents just aren't around. They aren't around or they're murdered. Or they just don't understand. (laughs) 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 Let's talk about the original cast. We have David Arquette as Dewey Riley. How do you feel about Dewey in this movie? I think everyone likes Dewey. I like, it's hard not to like this guy. But I don't like him in this. I mean, I like him, but I don't like his character as written in the film because he, he's been promoted to the sheriff, right? I think this is the first time he's sheriff. He's now sheriff of Woodsboro. And I like that. I think he should be sheriff. But, like, he's, like, really bad at his job. And I feel like this is an opportunity. This was an opportunity for Kevin Williamson to, like, show us a, a better side of Dewey, like a more badass side. But, like, I'm like, I just feel like he only got promoted to sheriff because everyone else died or moved away. And he spends the whole movie basically not figuring things out, being one step behind, and not listening to his wife, Gail Weathers, who is like, it's his fucking wife who has has gone through three times of these murder sprees, and they've like saved each other's lives. And suddenly Dewey's like, well, Gail, you know, you're trying to write a book, and I'm not going to answer your questions, and I don't like you anymore. And I'm like, what's happening? Go away, Dewey. I think they're doing that just so that they can put Gail and Dewey at odds with each other. I get why they're doing it. It's forced. It's forced. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, yeah, and I do agree with you, Rodney, but I will bring up that um, they were had filed for separation at this time because they were married in real life, and they were, like, apparently keeping things very professional professional on set but they were you know and they later divorced in 2012 so it may have been a little tension for real maybe in the real script dewey and gail were working together great but when they were shooting the scenes he was just like i'm not answering your question gail weathers and (laughs) Wes just said that's fine we'll keep it yeah just keep it moving keep it moving (laughs) i honestly i completely forgot they were ever a couple let alone married i totally forgot that yeah they were married i think they had a child and everything too and yeah I knew they weren't together anymore, but I didn't remember when that happened. And it was hmm. it was during this movie they had they were separated. I can't. It must be very difficult to have to shoot scenes with your 
soon-to-be ex-wife where you have to pretend that she is your current wife that you love. But having said that, none of them wrote the words. Like, Kevin Williamson wrote these scenes as Dewey being a, a dumb idiot sheriff. And, like, every time it cuts to Dewey, I'm like, yeah, he's funny. I just wish they did more with him. To your point, I feel like they've sort of moved the comedic element of Dewey over to the Judy Hicks character as mm-hmm. played by Marley Shelton, who I do like. I like Marley Shelton a lot. I think she's charming and cute, and I do enjoy her in this movie. I like the whole Lemon Squares gag and all of that. I think she's kind of a nice substitute for the comedic part of the film that Dewey was sort of carrying in the previous movies. But I do understand kind of missing that aspect of Dewey. I think it would be hard to try to present him as both a competent sheriff and a goofball. Like, how do you do that? You know, that Mm -hmm. seems like a a tough challenge. Well, I think, you know, and we're going to talk about the other films after this later on, but I, I think somebody heard your cries, Rodney. Yeah, I, I didn't want to bring it up. I, I guess what I'm saying is like, it feels like Sydney Prescott has evolved, at least by Scream 4, right? I feel like she is a different person. Gail Weathers is never a different person. She's continually the same one note character. And so is Dewey. And I, I think that's my biggest complaint with this movie is I just don't I don't really love any of the characters. I don't even know if I love Kirby, but she is by default the best character. She's at least watchable. When it cuts to her, I'm like, oh, good, she's in the scene. And I have a loyalty to the three main cast because they're the uh, they've been in the last three films, right? So it feels like I'd rather watch their story. I guess what I'm saying is this: it feels like Sydney has a real story in this movie, right? But Gail's story is like oh, I don't have a book to write, and now people are being murdered, so I'll write another book, which is just a retread of part one. She's just, like, literally being the same character. And Dewey is, again, the same character as part one of, like, I don't know what to do. I'm always just running around being in the wrong space, except he's not really funny this time. I mean, I think that's by design because they're kind of trying to do a remake. Yeah, I get it. There's something about it. Like, I'm not saying it's bad. It just doesn't... I don't... I just don't love it. It wouldn't have been much cooler... If Dewey just was like, if it just cut to Dewey and he's like a badass sheriff, like if he had just like grown into the role and like he like was one step ahead of Ghostface, like they could have, they had an opportunity here to do something cool with him. Let me ask you this. Imagine this. Imagine you lived in Woodsboro, right? And someone broke into your house and you call the police and you open the door and there's Sheriff Dewey, right? Would you feel like your case is in competent hands? No, but I wouldn't have felt that if he came to my door in any of the Scream movies. (laughs) Right, that's what I'm saying. It's one thing when he's a deputy, but he's the sheriff. How did he become sheriff? Well, I think he became sheriff, like you said, like everyone else got killed or, you know, (laughs) he just, I mean, is this, that's what happens. It's a small town. Like, you know, it's, that's how it is in government. You stick around long enough. Citizens of Woodsboro. I have been stabbed 47 times over the last decade. (laughs) Who better to be your sheriff? All right. He wants it. He can do it. Yay. Well, let's move on to talk about our main character, Sidney Prescott. You know, it's funny. There was a big um, behind the scenes uh, kerfuffle that Nev Campbell wanted more money and they didn't want to pay her what she wanted. So she said, I'm not going to be in the movie. So she isn't in the movie. And I got to say, I didn't miss her in that movie. And It kind of made me rethink the character of Sidney Prescott, because up until Scream 6, I was like, oh, well, it's got to have Sidney Prescott. She's the glue that holds it all together. And now 
she's almost kind of like diminished her own character in my eyes because now I'm like, do we really need Sydney at all? I mean, she barely shows up in three, right? So clearly like Nev Campbell didn't want to be involved in that movie. And, and then this movie, I will say that she plays a much more pivotal role, but I don't really love the character of Sydney Prescott and I don't really love her in this movie. I thought she's in like the whole movie of Scream 3. Am I misremembering? No, most of the movie she's living on a farm out in the middle of nowhere and they keep calling her. And then finally in the third act, she shows up in L.A. and gets involved. Have you not seen Scream 3? I've never, I told you, I've never seen any of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> I have this memory. She's like on a set and she sees her mom, her ghost of her mom. Yeah, like, in like, the third act of the really? movie, okay. the end right. of the movie. She's really like uh, literally out of the picture for the majority of the film. Okay. It's at least half the movie, if not two thirds. I believe you. Okay. I don't miss her from Scream 6 either, right? I have no idea like how much money she wanted. I like, I would just assume you would say, just pay me what you paid me for the last one. But I guess she wanted more than that. I don't know. Cause it was a big hit. Who knows? I will say that like, she's barely in part five, you know? I don't know. I don't really feel like the movies need Sidney Prescott. Like she, this movie, they kind of say it in this movie, don't they? Don't like the killers at a certain point basically, are, like it say it's no longer about you, Sydney. Am I making that up? Is that in this one? Yeah, they say that near the end. But I do like the idea that like it's her niece, you know, so she's, I mean, she's not really home to visit her niece. She's there to like sell her book. You don't need Sydney, no. In the same way that like Halloween proved you don't need Jamie Lee Curtis, but it's better with her. That's the difference. It's better with her. I like Laurie Strode way better than Sidney Prescott. Yeah, me too. I agree. Agreed. I think it's fine if she's there, but I think they've proven they don't need her. But like back to this movie, I do feel that, you know, Nev Campbell is giving a good performance. My problems are more with the character herself. I agree with Rodney, though. I do like the fact that, you know, we're going to find out that one of the killers is actually her niece, spoiler, as played by Emma Roberts. Although it's ridiculous that that tiny little girl is yeah. ghost faced in some of the ghost face yes. scenes. This is my gender. I can say this. Maybe you guys can't or are not going to, but I just have a really hard time with buying that Emma Roberts is doing all of this. I mean, like, we do see her being pretty physical and violent um, when she's not in costume, you know, at the end of the film and, you know, in the scene with Sydney in the hospital and all of that. But it's still, it's like, and, and going down the line with the other films as well after this, it's like, I just can't, like, these girls are small. Yeah. It's a, it's a cheat. Yes. And not that women can't be strong, but in stature, the women that we're speaking of here are petite, small girls. I don't know, unless you're on PCP or something, maybe, <laughs> like you're able to do like superhuman things. I don't know. They pulled this same thing in Scream 5, but That's at least the girl they cast seems psychotic, whereas Emma Roberts is playing it. I mean, she's playing a role. She's intentionally not seeming psychotic through most of the movie. But then, you know, in the third act, when it's revealed that she's one of the killers, uh, you know, she starts acting like a more psychotic person. And I think when she does that, she does a good job. And I yes. do like Emma Roberts as an actress. I think yes. she really plays bitchy well. I, I think she's a good presence. I think 
she's well paired with Nev Campbell as being her niece. And they, you know, they give her dark hair to sort of match Nev's look and everything. I mean, I think she works as an actor. It's just hard to believe her as a physical killer. It's totally just the physicality of it. It's not, I, I like, I agree with you. I like her. I think she's great in this. I, and like, you know, they try to show us, you know, the lengths that she's willing to go to, which I buy all of that. I'm just saying like some of the stuff is just, you need to be a bigger person. I've heard that when you put on a mask and you're about to kill someone, you're filled with so much adrenaline <laughs> that you can like kick doors down. You can like, you know, lift cars up. So I think that's what's happening. Well, then that's it. That's it. It's been solved. Thank you, Rodney. It all makes perfect sense now. It also makes you grow a few inches taller. <laughs> right? <laughs> I really would love to see a Scream movie where, like, the killer jumps out and they're, like, so short. They're like, Steve? Is that you? <laughs> right. Like, you have a character who's so obviously short. Like, you know. Yeah. Well, I knew it was you, Bob. You're only four foot tall. The robe is so long they're tripping over it. <laughs> They should do one where, like, at the end, they take the mask off and it's, like, two kids sitting on On top of each other? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Do you guys have anything else to say about the original cast before we move on? It's good to have them back. It it feels like you shouldn't make Scream 4 without these three characters. They are in the whole movie. I think they're all doing a good job, despite my, like, complaints about the, like, what they've done with Dewey. He is good. So I I appreciate it. I think they 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 made the right choice to get everyone back. And that's what makes it feel like a legit Scream movie, you know? Yeah. So I have no real complaints with them. Other than like, you know, look, at a certain point, how many times do you have to be the target of a masked murderer before you just like buy a gun and keep it with you? Look, I get you don't want to have a gun all the time, but like the minute Ghostface has reappeared and murdered someone and they call you and they go like, hello, Jen, I'm back. I'm coming for you. This is the United States. Don't you just like drive to like a gun store and be like, you might know me. I'm Sidney Prescott. I've been attacked three times over the last decade. I'd like to buy a gun right now. And they're like, here you go. Here's two of them. Absolutely. Are you questioning the plausibility of the Scream franchise? (laughs) I am. In which six times we get a whodunit murder mystery involving (laughs) several people each time who are willing to take on the mantle of a murderer for some stupid reason. I have very strange, picky things when I watch movies. You're like, I can buy this would happen six times but i can't buy that she wouldn't have a gun on her at all times it's so dumb that she doesn't have a gun and i do think that like sydney spends most of the movie just kind of like weepy eyed you know being like life is hard and you got to be a survivor but they, they don't i don't know they don't give her a lot to do but like she's still i don't know it's fine it's fine don't act like i'm the bad guy no one likes this movie all right <laughs> They didn't make Scream 5 for 10 years for a reason. All right. Since we've covered the original cast, why don't we move on to the newcomers, the late millennials, would you say? Oh, God. Waste of my time. Waste of my time. What a boring, dreary cast. I disagree. I think Emma Roberts is woefully miscast. I feel like the Culkin kid is weird. Video camera kid is weird. Video camera kid is weird. The worst. Can we all agree? Trevor. Oh, boyfriend. Oh, he's the worst. We agree. He's the absolute 
worst and the most forgettable. I forget he's in this movie. Yeah. Every single time I go to watch it, I'm like, wait, who is this? Oh, right. This is a character in this movie. He's so bland, you forget him every time you pop the movie in. Every time he walks on screen, I go, <laughs> who's that? <laughs> and I'm like, wait, he's the boyfriend from 15 minutes earlier. Can you imagine if this had been like Penn Badgley or somebody? Because like he would have been the right age for this movie. And I was thinking while watching it, like Penn Badgley could have played this perfectly, like kind of creepy guy who's yep. cute. But like you think he might be the killer the whole time. This kid, Nico Tortatella or something. I'm sorry, Nico, but just terrible casting here. He is so forgettable. You don't believe for a second that he's really going to be the killer. No way. It's bad. I'm not going to go with you for the rest of the cast, Rodney. I actually, I do like the Culkin in this. I think he's good. I agree. Video Kid is annoying. But I mean, that whole conceit is annoying. And I kind of just wish it wasn't in this movie. One of my complaints about this movie is that I feel like it's trying to do too much. It's trying to comment on too many things. I want it to just stick to the idea of a remake because that was what was going on in horror at the time. And they do do that. But then they're also like, but let's also comment on YouTuber culture or whatever. Right. Sure, like, which is sure. essentially what he is. Although he's always live streaming with his like head rig. Right. Which no school would allow him to do that. Yeah. You know, like he would need so much like web space. Like, like that would just be unmanageable no one would be watching him do this 24 7 like it's like an old person's idea of what the kids do with the youtubes can we just go back to where you referred to it as web space <laughs> <laughs> in the same sentence where you talked about old people <laughs> hey i'm on the interwebs hello is this the internet i'd like to purchase some more web space for photos of my grandchildren Little Lucy's turning four. I got a whole video of her blowing out her candles. I'm going to need maybe double the web space. Look, I don't always think of the right word at the right time, all right? I probably shouldn't be a podcaster at all. I just picture, like, fast forward to the nursing home and Sebastian's sitting there with you, Jen, and... You're talking to this some other old person. You know, when this movie came out, no one liked it, and they didn't see it, but I liked it. It's called The Wolfman. I think we should watch it. <laughs> it's on this round disc. They called it a Blu-ray. <laughs> all right, all right. Can we get back to talking about the movie? You've had your fun. All right, look, I was, I was a little harsh on the Culkin kid. He is strangely watchable. There's something about him. His long hair, I think he looks so... I don't know what the word would be. Ugly, goofy, stupid. I think the hardest thing to believe in this entire movie is that Kirby would, under any circumstances, be interested in that guy. No chance. But they share a love of horror movies. They share a love of horror movies, and she's a little drunk when she makes her move. She has Suspiria in her collection. And he does, too. And these are the two rarest films that Kevin Williamson could think of. Anyway, I agree about the, the camera thing. Like... I don't even think that's a real thing. Did they, was that a product anyone sold? Like, were people walking around with like, it's like a headset with a. It looks like it looks like the thing the Predator has, except yeah, it just it's like a camera. Like, I feel like the prop department made that up. It's so goofy looking. Yes, I agree with you that it is goofy looking and it is a bit over the top. 
But I disagree. I do. I do appreciate that they're addressing this because this is like this was right on the cusp of, you know, where we are now, where people are broadcasting what they're doing like all the time on web spaces. They have so they have bought so much web space <laughs> that they can just stream all the time. But I mean, that that was just I mean, my recollection was that was I mean, that was like smartphones were happening. And like, you know, it was just the, the capability. I mean, it was funny to see, like a lot of the characters in this had like, um, what were those sidekicks? Yeah. Do you remember those like or like the T-Mobile or whatever? Um, so were they called sidekicks, right? The devices? Don't ask me. I'm the old man who doesn't know anything about technology. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking to you, Rodney. Rodney, help me. I can't. It's a, lo- it's a lose-lose if I comment. <laughs> <laughs> Either I know about this old technology or I don't. Either way, I look bad. I remember things called sidekicks. I did not have one, but yes, they were I did thing. not either. It was like a, a T-Mobile thing or something. Paris Hilton had one. I remember seeing, anyway, whatever. Who cares? It was just, I think that's an interesting angle and commentary to at least include that in the story but maybe it's a bit overdone and a bit like old people commenting on it the one thing i'll give it credit for is if you're looking at this as a modern remake circa 2011 i feel like almost every horror movie for like 10 years had some douchebag like using a video camera or filming on his phone. So, I mean, it is sort of a commentary on a trope in movies. I just feel like this movie didn't need that in there. They are going to sort of tie it in to the end because the Jill Roberts character wants to be famous. That's why she's doing all of this, both her and the Rory Culkin character who are in cahoots. And they're filming all the kills because that's, you know, the new way to be a big time murderer or whatever is to, you know, film your own movie as you go, which I don't know if that's really a thing. But you could also look at it as a commentary on the found footage thing, which was also huge at the time. Which they don't actually address name drop. Yeah. Right. I wish they did. I wish they were like, it's like found footage or whatever, you know, because that was also going on at the time. Yeah. I just feel like they leaned into some kind of found footage reference or use that kid's video camera for an actual set piece, you know? Like, there's that part where he has it on backward, but nothing really good comes from that scene. No. Well, also they do the scene in the barn with Courtney Cox putting in her cameras all over the place. And then Dewey comes in, sees her feed, and he sees the killer sneaking up behind her. So they do try to kind of incorporate it. Let me also just say that Gail Weathers, Master Reporter, has some truly um, secret cameras. They are. (laughs) Those cameras are like the size of fucking like karaoke (laughs) machines. (laughs) She's like planting them all around. I'm like, lady, anyone can see those. Yeah, they're not very discreet at all. No. I do have to bring up the fact that uh, Adam Brody is sort of wasted in this movie, unfortunately. I love Adam Brody. Who's Adam Brody? He's one of the cops who's with Anthony Edwards who gets killed outside of the house. He's too old to be one of the teenagers, which is unfortunate because I think he would have been a good cast member if he was younger, but he's sort of stuck in an age where they can't really incorporate him. Rodney, you remember Adam Brody from another fun-filled episode we were on together about Jennifer's body. That's right. He's the lead singer of Low Shoulder. Oh, no way. Okay. Well, that explains why I kept thinking, I know this guy. He's better in Jennifer's body. Well, he's definitely utilized more. Yeah. 
Yeah, the the two cops played by him and sorry, is it who is it? Who's the other guy? I said Anthony Edwards, but it's Anthony Anderson. Okay, yeah, like they've got some like f- some funny back and forth. I just wish they had a bit more. I think this movie has a very large cast, and I wish everyone just had a little bit more to do. And I know it's coming in close to two hours. I just wish it went a little longer. I just feel like it needs a bit more. Or they should have cut out some of the cast mm-hmm. and focused more on... I think it's overstuffed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think either... You're right. Maybe just cutting some stuff would work, too. I know you need to have those two cops because it's like... You have to at least address the Rodneys in the audience. You're like, why wouldn't there be cops at the house, right? <laughs> it's also like, what good are having cops if, like, everyone's getting murdered every night and they can't do anything about it? I gotta tell you, like, if someone was targeting me... I would be like, hey, guys, you know what might be more comfortable than sitting in the car? Why don't you sit in my living room? How about you sit in my bedroom on the floor, right? You could sleep in bed with me. Just ha- be be near me. Dude, if I lived in Woodsboro and even one murder happened, I'd be like, I'm staying home yeah. and not doing anything yep. at all. I am not going to be the target of fucking ghost face. Well, I mean, that's the whole like joke between the two cops is like, you know, it's never good for the cops that are sitting outside. And, you know, it's like they have like a whole running joke about debating as to who's going to go do the patrol around and who's going to stay there. And they come back and um, Anthony Anderson is like, looks like he's dead, but he's just pretending to be and he like pops up and he's like ha 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 and then adam brody gets killed i'm glad you brought that up because we should talk about the rules right okay so every scream movie we get a scene where some movie nerd uh starts laying out the rules the first movie it's just horror movies the second movie it's sequels to horror movies the third movie i don't even remember what they're talking about in that movie this one they're talking about remakes and reboots or whatever and i think most scream fans would agree that the biggest misstep they ever made as a franchise was killing off the Randy character in two. Like, why they made that decision is anybody's guess, but it was really dumb because that character was sort of the linchpin of the whole series, and they kept having to contrive reasons to bring him back, like, speak from beyond the grave via videotapes or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in this movie, we get the Rory Culkin character and uh, the other kid, who I don't even know that kid's name. I don't either. He's video camera dude. Video camera dude. They run a, you know, movie club at the school. Cinema club. Cinema club. So they're our new nerds, and they're going to sort of lay down the rules. Do you feel that the rules are A, well explained in this movie, and B, well implemented into the plot? Yeah. I think they do a good job of explaining the, like, it's somehow... It's not really a sequel, it's a reboot, but you got to bring back the old characters. And, like, I like it. I think the biggest misstep is when they say the kill sequences have to be bigger and better, and they don't deliver on that, which was my earlier note. Personally speaking, I might get a lot of flack for this, but I get really tired of this scene in the Scream movies. I don't need, in every Scream movie, for there to be a part where they sit around and explain the rules of this movie. Like, it was funny the first time, and a little funny the second time. But if it were up to me, I would get rid of that scene. I just want to see Ghostface call people and kill people. I'm going to give you a lot of crap for this because this is one of the linchpins of the Scream franchise. You can't take that out of the Scream movie. Yeah, you can't. Because then it's not a fucking Scream movie. And yet, a couple months ago, you would have told me you can't take Sidney Prescott out of a Scream movie. No, I wouldn't have. Yeah, you would (laughs) have. Jen, back me up here. I no, I, I think the rules need to be explained okay, every fine, time. Fine. It's just I mean it's 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 what this whole franchise is. 
it's all based on scary movies. It's like it's it's part of it. Yeah, that's, that's like fine. saying a James Bond movie doesn't need to start with him shooting a gun at the camera or whatever. No, but does a James Bond movie have to have a scene where he goes to the item shop M dude? Is it M or Q? Whoever. Q. And it'd be like, here's an exploding watch. Here's a pen that does something. Yeah, he does. That has to happen in a James Bond movie? All right. Well, I like when he goes and gets okay. his gadgets from Q. I do too, yes. Let me ask you this question differently. I'll ask this question to you, Jen, that Sebastian asked me. Do you like the scene in Scream 4 when they're at Cinema Club and they explain the rules? I think it's fine. I, I have no problem with that. Fine is the answer that people give when they actually don't like a thing, but they can't say it. No, it doesn't light me on fire, but it's part of it's part of the deal. It's like checking this off. We have to do this type thing. Exactly. And I think that's my that's my complaint. It feels like they, something that has to be done and therefore it gets kind of played out. I feel like they do the best that they can with the characters they've set up. Yes, every Scream movie needs to have this scene. And I do feel like, you know, the thesis sort of needs to be stated. I just feel like, again, and I'm, I keep kind of hitting on the same point that the waters get muddied for me because I wish they just stuck to this is a remake slash reboot. These are the rules of the remake slash reboot. By having the other kid in with a video camera, because he's talking about, you know, fucking uploading his fucking feed to web space and all that shit. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't care about that. Let's just focus on this being a remake. And I feel like my biggest sort of thematic complaint with the movie is that it doesn't seem to just stick with that idea. It seems to be trying to do this whole other thing with the internet and stuff. I do like that they've, you know, coerced Sydney and Gail to show up. And then Gail does the thing where she's like, are you going to tell me where this party is? You know, we're supposed to be working together. And then she storms off and the kids are like, that was awesome or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think it's a fun scene. I don't, Fair. I mean, I do think that to your larger point though, Rodney, the problem with this movie is that it's mostly fine, right? Yeah. Where it's never great, but it's good. And I don't think by saying fine, you're saying I really don't like this. I think when you say fine, you're like, I don't have strong feelings either way. Like, I don't think it's bad, but I also, I'm not loving every second that's, that's exactly what i meant by fine jen i think i know better than you what you meant when you said fine okay <laughs> women love to be told that here's all i'm saying if i were in charge of scream 7 i would just make a few changes and i would take out the scene where they do the let's talk about the rules i think we get rid of the ghost face mask we get rid of the knife <laughs> we get rid of the phone call and the scary voice and the asking about scary movies uh, i think we get rid of gail weathers and uh, maybe we just show the killer at the beginning. Are you a film executive? <laughs> I think I just have a few notes. <laughs> well, this is good segue into something I wanted to share with you guys oh. about the film. I wasn't aware of this, but apparently Kevin Williamson was kind of annoyed when they were getting close to the release of the film. He was kind of expressing his annoyances with it because the Weinsteins brought in Aaron Kruger. The writer of Scream 3. That's right. To, quote, polish up the script. Yeah. Oh. So your hatred of 
Scream 3, they brought that guy in to polish up the script. And there were so many rewrites on this that, um, I mean, there were so many. I was just looking through the trivia. There's so many people that were in and they were out because of rewrites. Like Lauren Graham was supposed to play Emma Roberts' mom from Gilmore Girls. And she like announced it and stuff too. And then she was cut because of a rewrite. And it was originally supposed to be released October 2010. But because of all of these writing delays, it was pushed back to April 15th of 2011. And it kind Mm. of feels like that. It feels like a movie that has been rewritten too many times. I think that's kind of the main problem, honestly. And polished up by the guy you guys can't stand from Scream 3. But who you love because he wrote The Skeleton Key. I love The Skeleton (laughs) Key forever. (laughs) I love The Skeleton Key, too. I like that movie a lot. Yeah. It's it's one of my favorites. Skeleton Key is just comfort food. It's good. I just love to spend time there. Yeah. I remember that's the reason Scream 3 feels so bad is because it's not written by Kevin Williamson. It It doesn't taste like a Scream movie. Yeah, Mm-mm. I did not realize they brought that guy. That that would explain a lot. That would why. That's why this movie feels a little off at times. I'm going to guess because it's not pure Kevin Williamson. Nope. I've also heard that like I've not done this, but do you guys have the Blu-ray of Scream Four? No. One of the Blu-rays has a bunch of like extended sequences where the the kills are apparently much better. Okay. Like my my one of my friends is like a diehard Scream fan, and he told me that the wine scenes apparently chopped up a lot of the murder sequences in this and that they're much better on the Blu-ray. That's all I know. Maybe you can find them on YouTube. Those Weinsteins are always messing up horror movies and, I mean, messing up all sorts of things yeah. uh, later on as we've come to learn. But, I mean, that that was also – it was their, their chopping up of um, another movie we covered on the podcast. And why am I spacing on it? The one with um, – Takes place in Hollywood with the werewolf. You're thinking of Cursed. Yes, Cursed, because the movie was indeed Cursed. Also written by Kevin Williamson. Mm. Right, but also cut up by the Weinsteins again, yes. right? Wasn't it them that kept doing the write, rewrites and everything until it turned into and so many different versions and the people look different in the shots because it took, they had to do so many reshoots? Yeah, I mean, they're notorious for doing that. It wasn't just horror movies and stuff. They've done that to all sorts of things. They would acquire foreign films and then cut them all up and release them in America and these bastardized forms so i mean they're just known for this shit the only person that they ever left alone is quentin tarantino this was just business as usual for the weinsteins yeah. it's a good thing for cinema in general that they have been canceled agreed what's your favorite murder in the movie i like seeing trevor get shot in the dick and then shot in the head <laughs> that's the best kill because i want him out of the movie as quickly as possible Trevor I like this whole sequence at the end like the the finale at the house I think the finale finale at the hospital is painful and oh my god yes groan inducing I almost feel like Aaron Kruger wrote that I feel like that got added on I could be wrong maybe we get Kevin Williamson on the show sometime and ask him but I remember being in the theater and when they revealed that the killer was Jill Roberts or whatever Emma Roberts and the other kid it, they get me every time. Every single time I watch a Scream movie, I'm like, you got me again. I didn't see it coming. They didn't get me in Scream 6. No, they didn't. I called the killers there. No, they didn't. He called it right out. But in 4, yes, Rodney, they got me. They do get me every time. And I really loved because I was getting to a point where I'm just like suspecting everyone in the house, right? Because yep. it's just like getting really intense. And that's what Scream does. And, you know, then you're feeling bad for Rory Culkin because he's stuck outside and like taped up like Drew Barrymore's 
boyfriend is at the, at the first one, you know, yep. sitting out there. We get Kirby running out there and she's like, I beat him because she gives the answers that you would have not let pass Rodney about just rattling off all the remakes. But she's like, I beat him, I beat him. And so she's like cutting all the tape off of Rory Colgan. And then he like just stabs her right in the gut. And I think that's great. And then he's like, you've been ignoring me for 10 years or whatever. And now tonight you're giving me attention or whatever. And I'm like, dude, that's how it works. Like, yeah, you're going to kill her now. She was about to make out with you. Like, yeah, you've been pining for her for years. And yeah. now you're getting your chance and you're going to murder her. Like, come on, dude. That's some real like incel stuff right there. Like, yuck. Yeah. I Can I just also bring up really quickly here? Because this is where Kirby gets stabbed. I've heard a lot of people complain that it's so unrealistic that they brought her back for the new movie because she's clearly dead. And so I watched this scene carefully and I think they gave themselves an out. He stabs her twice and she falls on the ground and she's yep. bleeding, but you do not see her dead. You do not see nope. her wheeled out like on a gurney with a thing over her or anything. Mm -hmm. Everybody survives millions of stab wounds in these movies. I mean, how many mm -hmm. times have Sydney been stabbed? How oh many times God. has Gail and Dewey been Dewey. stabbed? Yeah. So, no, it's fine that they bring back Kirby in this movie. You could easily rationalize that she lives. Agreed. I have no problem with that. I mean, again, I mean, obviously, I don't even know if it's a spoiler to say she comes back in part six. But when she walked onto screen in part six, they said Kirby. And I went, who's Kirby? <laughs> and she must be in Scream 4. She must be, but I don't remember it. <laughs> and then when I watched Scream 4, I was like, holy shit, she's in this entire movie. And I just erased it. I remember her from Scream 4. I like this character. I think she's fun. I think Hayden Panettiere does a good job with her. I like her short blonde haircut. I think she's cool. Yep. I like her. Yep. Agreed. That dude should have been like, he should have called Jill and been like, what do you say we just like delay the murder spree till tomorrow? Because like, <laughs> I'm almost in there. Huh? Just like, <laughs> I just need, I need a couple more hours. Yeah, can we rethink this? <laughs> I do like all the little nods to scream one. Like earlier in the film, there's a scene we didn't talk about where like Sydney comes into Jill's room and her boyfriend, Trevor is like coming out the window or going whatever. And it's like, they don't hit it too hard, but she's remembering how Billy Billy Loomis, right? Yep. How he like came into her bedroom window. And I thought that was a good touch. I like I like Culkin who does what's his character's name? Do any of us know? Charlie. Charlie. How he's tied to the chair. That was a good callback. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that that I that I enjoy. I think it's a good scene because she's totally having deja vu of like yeah. and she's like, you know, you just remind me of me. Mm -hmm. Except that Trevor's not a murderer. I don't remember how I felt when I saw part one. I think that it was a, it really blew my mind that Billy Loomis was the killer. But I think the second most surprising killer to me was Jill in part four. I was just like, really? She's the killer? And then when she when I was like, that makes sense, but I Definitely would never have put her on the list even. She's so small. Uh, this is something else I was reading in the trivia is like she and I think Hayden Panettiere are like both under 5'2". Wow. Like they had okay. to they had to wear like heels and boots with heels and stuff like that throughout the film. So it's like, again, going back to just the physicality of it. Emma Roberts is a dainty 
little thing. Yeah, but you know what? I appreciate the stunt woman who plays her when she trashes herself in the room. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's great. I like that part. Yeah. After they've revealed themselves as killers, they think they've killed Sydney. They have killed Trevor, and they're trying to set it up to look like a murder. And then uh, Jill Roberts kills Charlie. He thinks he's yep. going to be in on it, but no, she's like, soul survivors, the way to go here and kills him so he gets betrayed and i've got to say like you're a dumbass charlie you should have seen that coming yeah <laughs> i would love to see like a, a compilation of the missing scenes where people come up with this plan like i want to see a scene where he's in bed with her and he's like you know i love the stab movies and she's like me too and he's like you know you know it'd be fun what if we just like murdered everyone and recorded it and became famous and she's like that's a great idea let's do it i bought it in the context of the movie it's a little silly but i i went with it i could go with it i'm just saying i would like to see the scene i don't have a problem with it like like i said i'm 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 picky on certain issues but i'm totally fine with like i get it they want to be famous and they love stab movies jen as a whodunit super fan how do you feel this one holds up i think it's great i'm always happy with screams reveals they tend to get me every time i don't see it coming and especially this one now that i've seen it a few more times i remembered but like i remember you know seeing it in the theater and then it was it was a while before i watched it again and i was like who are the killers <laughs> like i just couldn't even remember because this this one you know is it's fine it it is a scream film but it's it's guilty of not being that memorable let's move on to the final scene that takes place in the hospital rodney you've already expressed your opinion on it you thought it was bad i'm gonna be a little more kind to it i think it's kind of cool i like that we had this thing that we thought was the climax but then we're actually getting this sort of second climax in the hospital i mean i admit it's not necessarily that thrilling in every way but i do like some of the stuff that happens i like that emma finally gets killed by sydney um or she gets incapacitated with a defibrillator i appreciate that they, they at least bring all of the plot threads together you know like deputy judy gets thrown in here and all that like I don't know. I don't think it's that terrible. I think it's a fine way to wrap up the movie. I just was ready for it to wrap up. And I, I don't think that it is terrible. However, I wish it just was wrapped up a little quicker because I, I do like when Emma Roberts can't help herself and she totally slips up to Dewey and says, you know, Gail and I can, we, we can write a book together since we have matching wounds. And it's like, how do you know that Gail has the same wound that you do? That's not public knowledge, you know? And so I, I love when he goes to tell Gail and he's like, yeah, she's a strong kid. She's a fighter. And Gail's like, yeah, she's going to have to be. And he says, she said, you know, that you guys could write a book together since you have matching wounds. And Gail was like, uh, and she goes, how does she know where I got stabbed in the shoulder or whatever? And That's exactly what I'm talking about. If Dewey had figured that out, that would have been an opportunity to show that he's like, a smart cop but like he's not the one who catches it his his wife has to do everything for him in this movie no he kind of does because he's kind of when when she says it he kind of there's something that goes on he there. pieces it together can't believe you're defending him he solidifies it when he's talking to his wife i i think but he definitely has like a little bit of doubt when emma says that he just kind of like there's a look on his face where it's just kind of like that 
that's that's weird. You have to understand, Rodney, there's just been a very high emotional, like really stressful time. That's true. Like 18 people have died under his watch. So I guess that he's <laughs> he's already he's thinking about like, how do I get reelected? That's what I was like. Rodney's <laughs> not going to vote for you. Rodney's voting for whoever's running against you. I mean, yeah, that is, that he is definitely not going to remain sheriff of Woodsboro. <laughs> like, I get why it has to go down this way. But like, Jill clearly knows how to kill people. She's killed a bunch of people. In fact, she stabs Charlie in the heart knowing to kill him, right? She also knows that Sidney Prescott has been stabbed in the stomach like 40 times and survived. So it just seems dumb to me that she doesn't make sure everyone is dead, right? That she's just like, yeah, yeah I'm sure Sidney's dead. Good enough. And that kind of shit just bugs me. It's like your your entire plan hinges on hoping everyone bleeds to death, right? But I look, I like the idea she wakes up and they're like, Sydney might pull through. And it's not the fact that there's an extra scene. It's the way it's the clunky scene where they're all like in a room together and like blonde cop comes in and dives in and saves Gail and she gets shot in the shoulder and like she's like holding the gun and she's like, okay, stand up. And then she like, she shoots. Is that when she shoots the blonde cop? She shoots her. Yeah. And she's like, now Gail, you stand up. And I, I, I was like, I would never stand up at that point. Are you kidding me? Like, you're going to have to come around the bed. It's like, it's similar to like when they take you out in the desert and they give you a shovel and they'd be like, start digging. At that point, you say, I'm not doing that. Never get in the car with the mobsters when they're like, we're no, going to go yeah. take a ride. Like, just don't get in the car. Don't do and it. And then like Sydney just like randomly knowing how to turn on a fucking defibrillator without even looking at it. She's like, is like touching buttons and turns it on. I just don't like it. It just feels clunky and stupid and forced. No, thank you. Rodney, your Scream movie would be really boring. Scream 7, as written by Rodney Altman. Scene 1, Ghostface goes up to Sydney and blows her away with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> the end. There you go. Perfectly logical. There's nothing in here that's illogical at all. You, come on, look, look, let me, this is what I'm saying. This is all I'm saying. For, forget about the movie. Are you telling me if you had people over, we, we were having a party, and I said, guys, how would you like to see an awesome scene? And everyone said, I'd love to see an awesome scene. And I put on the hospital scene from Scream 4. Do you think people would say, wow, Rodney, that was fucking awesome? No. And there is no scene really like that in this movie, which is probably maybe why it failed. It's because it's not, there's nothing memorable, really, that stands out in it. Yes. That's, that's where we are. And I will say, I like that there is this this end denouement but it's just it's a little dragged out like i wish everyone didn't have to get involved i i would have preferred just her and uh jill to have like a quick showdown yes. and just be done with it that's what i'm getting at jen but i'm glad that jill doesn't get away with it and i like that they do end with like all the reporters like jill roberts is a hero and we're waiting to hear from her because they don't know what's going on inside yet it totally would have worked if she just like wakes up in the hospital room realizes sydney's alive and then she goes into her room and tries to kill her and sydney like is like ready for her and jumps out and they have a quick fight and she kills her yes. that would work it's the fact that like the entire cast is in this room yeah. guns are going off but apparently there's only four people i hate dude you want to hear me rant? I could go rant for an hour about empty hospitals in horror movies. Like, I just hate it. You must really not like the original Halloween, too. Strangely, I, I love that one. But that one makes more sense. <laughs> it's Halloween. It's a different thing. I will say, I do love the last line where Sydney 
kills Emma Roberts and she says, you forgot the most important rule about remakes. Never mess with the original. Yeah. And it's a good line. Yep. That, that almost saves this entire movie. I was like, at the end, I was like, all right, hooray. Well, since we've pretty much covered why we think that it failed, and that is that it lacks something memorable to sort of elevate it above the other movies in the franchise... Let's move on to the series since this movie. They did manage to actually get another Scream movie into production. Technically, it's just called Scream, but I'm going to call it Scream 5 because it is Scream 5. It's Scream 5. Rodney, how do you feel about these two recent movies? I really like them. I think I like Scream 6 in general a bit more. I like the new cast. I feel like I don't know. I I like them. I think my biggest complaint with Scream Five is that like, again, I don't want to I don't want to spoil things for people who might not have seen these films. But like, I like that they get Gail and Sydney and Dewey back, but it really feels like there's not enough of Sydney and Gail in Part Five. Like they're, I mean, I guess Sydney's in like the, they're in the final scene. It's just like they feel very shoehorned in in a way that I don't like. Big spoilers for Part Five. Turn it off right here. But I love that they kill Dewey. I think Dewey's death is so fucking cool i also think it's really dumb that he's like walking down the hall loading his gun like the way it happens is dumb but when he gets killed i was like bravo and then the, i don't know the newest one i didn't miss i didn't miss sydney i like the new york setting i thought the reveal of the killers was really kind of dumb like i don't i don't know i i like it i want more scream keep them coming like every time i see that scream makes a hundred million dollars i'm like great there will be more scream i get to play the the elaborate whodunit game one more time but i guess what i'm getting at is every time i see a scream movie there are so many scenes where people are doing a dumb thing like walking down an alley right or whatever fucking just like doing things that will get you killed even though they know the rules by now i have to constantly fight that part of me that's like this is a scream movie they all do this it's, it's just a movie i think that's what it is like i'm not i'm not the type of guy who easily can just say it's just a movie enjoy it just sit there i'm always like why would you do that you know rodney i'd like to stress something to you that oh, these God, are just movies They're no not real life these aren't I real people They've been concocted by screenwriters and directors. No, no, no. They are not there to represent <laughs> humanity in its highest form. They are supposed to be characters serving a story and a plot, and they're not meant to be real. I understand that. It doesn't change how I feel about it, though. Jen, how do you feel about the new Scream movies? I like them both. And I say, keep them coming, scream, scream, and more scream. I also agree with you guys, what we mentioned earlier, I didn't miss Sydney in the the latest one. I, in fact, was like, let that, you know, like, I know that, that yes, the behind the scenes, whatever sa salary reasons that she didn't come back. But also at the same time, I'm like, could you just leave that character alone? I don't blame her for not wanting to come and join. She's like come and showed up for these things like over and over again isn't she tired of getting stabbed like just let her let her be <laughs> let her alone so yeah and i i really i i like that it was in new york i love um jenna ortega i think she's, yeah, she's delightful great. so i'm you know love seeing more of her and i like I, I can't remember the actor's name that plays her sister but i like her too i really like the character's all of them in five and six or, or scream and six or whatever, however you want to call it. Um, 
uh, all the kids and everything, Randy's nieces and nephew. And, and yeah, I just, I, I like the whole gang. I thought Dewey's death, I mean, it was, it was brutal. Like, I'm like, wow, they really made sure that you knew that Dewey was not coming back from this. Yeah, I think the thing I like most about the new Screams 5 and 6, which are directed by Radio Silence, is that they deliver on, like, the violence in a better way. I feel like the the kill sequences are gory. You know, like, you see, like, knives coming out of necks and shit. Like, it's just, it's delivering on the part that I feel like some of the, like, parts 3 and 4 don't do a good job with. I just feel like... They've gotten more imaginative with the kill sequences. I think p- my biggest complaint with part six is that, like, none of the main cast actually gets killed. Yeah. You know, like, that's pretty lame. That was a little lame. You're venturing into, like, lame territory if you're not going to actually kill people in your killer movie. Yeah. Yeah, but I actually, I, I like the cast. I didn't want any of them to die. I do, too. I like them all. I'm going to second you, Jen, on that. Like, I think the real miracle of these new screen movies is they have effectively introduced a new cast of characters I give a shit about mm-hmm. so that yes. I don't feel like I need the old Scream cast in there. Like, I would have been fine if they had killed Gale, too, in Scream 6. It's fine that they didn't as well, but... It seemed like they were going to, and I get the sense of maybe yeah. they rethought that, and they were like, oh, maybe she doesn't die, and shot yeah. the scene a little differently. But I really like Jack Quaid in Scream 5. I thought it was a great reveal that he was one of the killers. Yep, that one got me too. Yep. I really like Jenna Ortega, as you guys do. Also love the actress that plays her sister. I like all of them. I think they're really likable characters. I do agree with Rodney. At least one of them should have bit it in Scream 6. Kind of iffy on the whole sister having visions of Billy Loomis. I forgot about that. And in fact, I, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm really sorry. I hate it. I really hate it. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I hate it for the same reason that I hate Sydney seeing ghosts of her, her dead mom in part three. Yeah. Yeah. This does not belong in a scream movie, but also like, like it doesn't make sense in any way like why would the ghost of her father like why would she even know what her father looks like right like i i give it a pass i mean no it's it's cringy just like skeet Ulrich. and he looks weird whenever he shows up he you're does like look who weird. is that oh skeet Ulrich, right if we were seeing him when he had died that was a long time ago and like now we're seeing him like they're kind of trying to de-age him or right. something yeah. a little bit but yeah. it's just not really working it's just odd but i will give a pass that she's seen you know, her dad, because the visions, though, it's not like it's some sort of psychic phenomenon. Like she's like really having like some sort of mental break. I mean, she's on medication. and stuff. Right. It's not supernatural. It's psychological. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I think it gets a pass because of that. If they pay it off and she actually ends up being the killer in one of the movies, then I will give it a, a golf clap. If they pull a Friday the 13th and they keep teasing that this character is going to end up being the killer and then she's never the killer, I will get annoyed with that. Like, you have to pay that off. If you're setting it up that she might be a killer, you have to actually have the balls to make her the killer in one of the movies. Well, maybe. Maybe, uh scream seven or eight or ten or who knows who knows but uh we'll be there to enjoy it because all three of us like this franchise i love ghostface i'm excited for more like i said normally when i come on i either really love the movie or really hate the movie and i think this is maybe the most like average i felt about a movie we've talked about on the show you know what i mean like i have no hate in my heart for scream four i just kind of wish it were cooler yeah yeah i think that's fair 
All right, guys. Well, I'm going to go record a podcast about me recording 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 a podcast until Ghostface stabs me in the stomach. That's, I mean, you could have done better, but that's good. <laughs> it's not really that memorable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That about does it today for Tentpole Trauma. If you like what you heard, check out our social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for Tentpole Trauma. That was easy, wasn't it? If you like us, hit subscribe and leave us a sterling review on iTunes, if you dare. If you really like us, head over to Patreon.com and get involved in one of our fabulous tiers. You'll be glad you did. Want to communicate with Tentpole Trauma? Send an email to tentpoletrauma at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And who knows, one day you may even get your email read on one of our shows. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you real soon.